this little church this afternoon, this little auditorium that we've made into a church for these services. Pray that your blessings rest upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. And good evening to you all. So happy to be here today again in the service of the Lord Jesus to give him praise, thanks for all that he's done for us. So happy for this. Now, it was my grand privilege to come under the invitation of our dear brother Jackson. And I suppose the greater part of the people that's been here has been Brother Jackson's church. I want to thank each and every one of you for what you have been and meant to us. Here some time ago, usually our services is set up on a scale of a full cooperation of all churches. That's the only way that we'll come. Our healing campaign is when all churches cooperate together. The manager comes into the city, he gets all the churches together, then they rent a place, and then they all have no services going on, and everybody comes together for the service. Out of that then, there's thousands come in. Sometimes our meetings right here in America is one as many as 25,000 at a time. And thousands of people gather in. In that, sinners come in and get saved. Then the ministers who are cooperating in are sitting on the platform. Each one of them knows that the altar call is made. And they get those people and invite them to their churches. It's in their neighborhood. This way, while coming now, we just come under the sponsorship of this one little church for, for fellowship with Brother Jackson. I love Brother Jackson. I don't think he's present, but I, I, I love Brother Jackson, a very fine man. And I'm so glad to know that you've got a pastor like him. I don't know much about him, but I, I've learned to love him just in a few times I met him. Brother Beeler, he's, he's sitting up here now in the balcony to my left. He was up here and held a meeting, I believe, at Brother Jackson's church. He came back and told me, he said, if you ever met a fine bunch of people, it's up there in Michigan. And then there was some brother that comes over there one time, come by my house. I forget his name right now. I'm sorry. Very fine, brother. And um, he brought me some things to my, the house there from his farm and so forth, which was just nice, just real. I just appreciate those things. I come in. I've just come from Switzerland and Germany, where we had a marvelous meeting, 100,000 converts two weeks in Germany. And we just had such a wonderful time. The Lord blessed us in such a way. Come back and went over to California. I'm having a little rest period before I start now, going back out to the West. Brother Jackson come along and said, Brother Benham, why not come to our place now? Well, in doing so, I couldn't hardly turn Brother Jackson down. He said, now, nah. I said, Brother Jackson, I, you mean for a healing campaign where there's cooperation amongst all the preachers and churches? And he said, no, Brother Bram, thing to do, just come over. I said, I'll come to your little church. He said, well, we only seat just a few. He said, we'll get to school all the time. I said, well, if you're going to come over there, we'll extend the time out from one night to being a three or four nights. So I come through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then we made it so that being that way, usually churches don't have services on Friday night or Saturday night, but they have it on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Therefore, I wouldn't have to interrupt with any brother's service, you see, any service. Just come in for a fellowship where everybody can come in because it's in my heart to always have fellowship with every man that believes in Jesus Christ. Regardless, his ideas might not cope with mine, but we'll never mention that. 
We're just, uh, we believe him to be a brother as long as he believes Jesus Christ to be his Savior. No matter if he's Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Christian, Science, Roman, Catholic, whatever he is, doesn't matter to me. As long as he's a child of God, he's my brother. And I, I believe that. And I wouldn't lay a straw in any denomination's way. I say interdenomination at the time. I was ordained Missionary Baptist Church, where I still have full fellowship. And um, my, some of my Baptist friends were sitting right here the other night and so forth, and they're wanting to sponsor a meeting on up here in the country, a little piece, the Baptist people. I have meetings. I just won't come for Baptists alone. It has to be all of them together, everybody. And in that, many people have said, well, Brother Branham, you're, well, we thought you were Pentecostal. Well, one time I was preaching in, a, in um, the Roberts Auditorium in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. There's a dear old brother there who had been on crutches for years. He sold pencils on the corner. And that night, while having the healing service, his faith got stirred up, and the Lord called him, and he picked his crutches up and started running through the village. The next day, here he was running all around over the, the city with his crutches and sign on These old buddies, I don't need no more. <laughs> oh, he was having him a big time. So I got to preaching. There's around four or 5,000 people sitting there then. And he said, and he said, just a minute, Brother Brown, is this a happy? He said, I don't understand this. I said, what's that, Brother? And he said, well, I, I heard you preach. I thought sure you was a Nazarene, because he was a Nazarene. He said, I thought sure you was a Nazarene. Where you preach? And said, I looked around, and they were all of them Pentecostal. So I thought, maybe you were Pentecostal. And now somebody tells me, you're a Baptist. I said, I don't get this. I said, oh, well, that's easy. I said, I'm a Pentecostal Nazarene Baptist. <laughs> By one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's right. Whether you're Pentecostal, Nazarene, or Baptist, or whatever you are, by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, God by sovereign grace brings us into one body that is the body of believers, Christ Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that today to know that I had the privilege of being in this body and being your brother and to come here to have this little time of fellowship with you. I want to thank Brother Jackson and his church and, and the visiting ones with us. If you're not all members of Brother Jackson's church, we sure thank you, his pastors and so forth here. I passed by a while ago, and I, don't, I believe Brother Jackson's church is called People's Church, the People's Church. I've seen one I hear called Full Gospel Church. I was riding around, seeing one up here called Assemblies of God. And uh, I know they're all full gospel people. And uh, I appreciate you all. And all the rest of the churches, uh, Methodists, Presbyterians, or whatever you are, see, we see and we love you. Now, one thing you can do for me, it's soon I'm to be out into the big major meetings and overseas, and I, I pray that, that God will lay, uh, lay me up on your heart if you'll pray for me while I'm trying to win souls for Christ. I never will forget what the General Overseer of the Baptist Church said to me the night that the vision called me and I was to go pray for the sick. He said, Billy, you had a nightmare. What did you eat for you that night for supper? I said, Dr. Davis, I don't appreciate that. I said, if you can't cooperate with that, I said, God said so, and he, it'll, it'll be done. He said, do you think that people, kings and potentates and monarchs, Go listen to a fellow with a seventh grade education? I said, that's what he said. He said, Billy, I believe you need a rest. I said, all right, Dr. Davis, here's my fellowship card. 
He said, oh, don't think that way, son. So now you run over home, rest up a few days. I believe you'll feel better like that. But nothing against the Baptist church, just as good as any of them. They're all in one great big bunch, and the facts of it is God will never, you'll never come to heaven whether you're Baptist, Methodist, or Presbyterian or whatever, you'll come to heaven when you're a Christian, no matter what church you belong to. God will never recognize an organization, never did it, never was his plan. He never did have an organization, never did organize the people. No time. Man done that. That's right. The first organization is the mother church, the Catholics. Out of there come the Luther, and out of there come the Methodists, and out of there come on down and on down and on down to the last ones and the Pentecostals and so forth in the last days. Exactly. The Roman Catholic Church is the mother church of organization. Before that, they had no organization. So if you're organization and you don't draw a barrier line and condemn the other fella, can reach across the fence to, and shake hands with the other fella, all right. When I used to pastor up there at the little Baptist tabernacle, I had a good friend below me in New Albany by the name of Johnson, and he was a Methodist. So here's the kind of fellowship we had. When I got someone converted in my church, and he said, Brother Branham, I want you to sprinkle me. But I, 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 my mother's a Methodist, and I, I, I was raised up a Methodist, and I said, now, now look, brother, i tell you what, this is a Baptist church, and I'll tell you what we'll do. You're a fine brother. And I said, I've got a good brother down at the, at the Main Street Methodist Church here in New Albany, just three miles lower, a wonderful man. And I say, I tell you, go down there, he'll do the sprinkling, and you be a good member for him, because he'd never make a good member for my church. Certainly not believing that. So I said, but Brother Johnson's a fine fellow. I said, it's kind of dry down there. <laughs> Ain't much water. But I tell you, I said, he's a good man and a Christian. A lot of Christians in the church. When he got a convert, he said, Brother Johnson, I want you to baptize me. My people were bad. Just He said, look, you never make me a good member. But said, i got a good friend, Billy, up there at the Baptist Tabernacle up at Jeffersonville. Said, you go up there. Said, he's a fine boy, but said, he'll drown you. He'll hold you until the last bubble comes up. <laughs> so that's the kind of fellowship the Methodist and Baptist had as far as Brother Johnson and I said. And we all ought to feel that way. Absolutely. Christians and brothers. And we love that with all of our hearts and fellowship with each other. I remember the services everywhere. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't this kind of a, a German settlement through here? It looks to me like it's look, either sweet or German. I see big, sturdy, healthy-looking people. That looks pretty good. And uh, I was passing through here the other night, and the custodian said he was from Finland. His people were from Finland. I spoke a few words to finish to him. I said, Ketis, and... And uh, you met on Raha, and he looked at me, Keith, just a thank you, and you met on Raha, God's peace be upon you. And um, so uh, I think I'd speak a few words of German, and be a whole lot of people understand me. Say, in Germany, by the way, we had one of the most lovely meetings, if, if it is a German set settlement here, German people. You know, as an American, and I think... God, by one Spirit, has made us all one people. And everywhere you go, uh, everywhere around the world, I found out wherever there are Christians, they're all the same. There's no difference in them. Everywhere. And uh, being we've had so much war in Germany and so forth, when I got over there my first time, I thought, my, I bet we have a lot of trouble over here, but some of the nicest people I ever met. Sure was. They treated me like I was a brother. 
and in there we had a hundred thousand converts. I was at Hamburg and and uh, Karlsruhe. That's where I had my big meeting at Karlsruhe. And then I went on down into Lausanne, and then on over into Zurich, Switzerland. Of course, the Swiss is just a German. I said the German, his intelligence is master. We know that he's a great intelligence. Some of our greatest science comes from Germany. And I said, but the trouble with Germany, they get the wrong wrong, wrong leadership. And they're trying to make a gun or a bomb that'll that'll destroy the rest of the world, and they'll be masters of it. And the Swiss, I said, well, he's the same intelligence, but he went out there and got in peace and made a watch and sold it to his neighbor. <laughs> it's kind of peaceful. So that's about the way it goes. But let Christ come to them, and they're all the same. That's right. And I certainly appreciate it. I remember one night first is a communistic element in Germany now, which you all know. And um, we were pretty close to the communist zone, the Russian control. And then uh, when I first started a meeting, it attracted attention there, many, many thousands the first night. And so then uh, uh, the, the Dutch Reformed Church, or the state church, rather, which was really by Swangley and, and not Luther, and, um, and we had disagreed uh, quite a bit upon the doctrine of the the supreme deity of Jesus Christ. Now, they don't believe in that in Switzerland. The Swiss church don't believe it. I got their own books right in English. And they say, Swingley said, that Jesus was the son of Joseph called the son of God. If you, if you take that, that knocks every principle of Christianity out. He was the virgin-born son of God. Joseph had nothing to do with it. He's just the, the tutor to raising of the father, foster father. Well, Billy Graham come in the night before that I was to start the next morning. Billy had a wonderful meeting there, uh, a good meeting, but of course the next day the newspapers picked it up, and I never seen such a bunch of scandal they wrote about their dear brother. They said that he come to the platform like he's going to a band box, that he put a manicure, what is that you put? Uh, uh, permanent, is that right? Permanent, permanent wave in his hair. And said that he act like a soap salesman on a box swing in his arms when he preached and said, let's see, said the, the smell of perfume was ten feet away. I read the paper next morning, I thought, uh-oh, you're in for a two, boy. <laughs> and I was going to talk about Billy Graham like that. What was I going to get? So uh, we went right on in, right back into the stadium, at, uh, right where he left off, and I, I got mine. <laughs> but... Uh, Billy preached on the supreme deity of Jesus Christ. That's right. I tucked right up where he left, went along the same way. But by the grace of God, we went 100,000 in that country, too, to the Lord. I remember in Germany, one night, there was such a—the communists that got up there and was going to start a riot, and when they threatened to kill me when I come from the place, we had about, oh, I guess, 40,000, something like that, and we were I was coming from the place, and the German soldiers, was soldiers, had to mill around and around and around me to get me in a car to keep them from shooting me in a distance like that is, setting out in bushes and so forth. And um, they asked me if I was afraid to come back. I said, never. <laughs> I come here by the will of God, see. And I went back the next night. I'll never forget that night as long as I live. I remember we was having the service. Of course, inside, once inside, then you, you're, you're pretty well safe in there then when you're like that. It's when you're going in and out when they set in the dark and you, do what they're going to do. And then, um, and uh, that night, they, of course, they were all gazers looking on everywhere, and they was 
And in Germany, there's a lot of spiritualism and everything else, you know. So it's all uh, seated around, and they sent him up to the platform to be prayed for. And how the Holy Spirit would know who they was. I couldn't pronounce them German names to tell them all about them that and what they had done. And, what. and about the fourth or fifth person comes. I was turned this way, and the ushers, and I was talking to the interpreter. I heard somebody screaming. They put a little blind girl up on the platform, and she's going off a high, oh, much higher than this, like that. And I grabbed her. Just quick, because she was blind, they just turned her loose, and some of them turned around, never noticed, and little things walking off the platform. She was about like my little Rebecca, about this high, a little German girl with little plaits hanging down her back, very typical German dress. Uh, I just never forget this. And she, um, I turned around, the interpreter got to her, and she was feeling again for me, just blind. And she got a, a hold of me, and she said, of course, the interpreter is to the interpreter. She said, is this the man that's going to pray for me? I said, yes. And she put her little head over on me like this, and her little hands around me, and she started snubbing like a little kid, you know, uh, on, on my bosom with her little head laying up there. And I looked down, I thought, poor little thing. And she'd been blind from birth. She'd never seen her life. Well, as I started to pray for her, how many of you have ever been in one of my meetings? Let's see your hands. Ever been in? Well, you understand that all of you. The vision began to come and began to tell her what all. And then I noticed that the Lord had pronounced her sight. So when I raised the little fellow up, pulled her little head away from me, she looked out, and the first time she'd ever seen light in her life, she began to scream and look at those lights. And when she began to point, she said, What are some things like that? And they told her lights. And she was looking around everywhere, batting her little eyes. And it so excited her mother till she jumped up and started running and run out of her shoes. And she ran to the platform and she took her around the waist, the little girl did, and said, Are you my mother? She said, Why, you're so beautiful. Like, I, that just stopped the communists right now. <laughs> we just had a lot of that to come to the Lord Jesus then. And, and then the angel of the Lord, they'd see that and they couldn't hardly believe it. They said they... They had the original pictures that were taken of it here in America. So the Germans asked me, said, we have good lens. That's right. Said, do you mind if we try to take the picture? I said, not at all. That's all right. So we had a, a, a meeting the next morning, or luncheon at 11 o'clock, with the uh, Dutch Reformed Church. And there's about 300 ministers there. And so this German come and set his big roller camera up down there. He said, can I take pictures? He said, now, will you wave your hand or tell me some way that one of that inspirations are coming where I can see if my camera will take that, that angel, that pillar of fire? And I said, yes, sir. And so we was having breakfast, and uh, lunch, rather, and we were talking, and he had taken several pictures like that, and um, he had some kind of a roll in it. He'd turn it, and then over here and squeeze a little thing, and it would take the picture, and then he'd, I don't know what he was doing behind there, stand there, a big camera set up on a revolving affair like this. And uh, so um, just then, the angel of the Lord began to coming. I waved to him. I said to the audience, I said, this is the inspiration. And he began to speak. And I said, the man sitting there with the Roman collar on. I said, he's not a German. He's an Italian. I said, he's just give up his position of being a leader of 22,000 communists. He picked up a Bible and had read it and has come to Christ. And he's from Italy and he has a little school hid way up in the mountains. And I said, the reason that he never eat his breakfast this morning because he has such stomach trouble that for years he's had this stomach trouble. 
and every speck of it was the truth. And I said, Now, thus saith the Lord, my brother, eat your breakfast, your stomach trouble's finished. He just started eating his eggs and things. All the time, this German, when that was on, was snapping these pictures. See, bring your oldest camera, snap the pictures. And when he take them out for developing, and when he come back, there it was, it just shook the whole country. There was the angel of the Lord coming down. There's where the anointed and begin to talk. There's where the inspiration left when it went away. Every bit right there. Well, that just showed thousands times thousands to the Lord Jesus Christ in Germany. Going back over again this summer, and we're going to have up there somewhere around um, uh, Berlin, a big stadium that Hitler built out there. Seats about 180,000, something like that, uh, for the services in Germany this coming year, the Lord willing, along perhaps towards the fall after the American campaign is over. Oh, my, so many things that our Lord has done. I wonder sometimes when it's all over, and uh, we have to work today. You know, I'd like to come down to each one of you and shake your hand. I'd like to go down to your house and spend a little time with you, talk with you. I wish I could do that. I can't. You'd be surprised. Perhaps as many people as sit in this building visit my house in a run of two or three days. And it's just everywhere. Hotels lay full. People from all over the world come in from Finland, from Germany, from, from India, from Austria, from everywhere. See? Coming in to be prayed for from all over the world. And therefore, I must be going from place to place. But here's one appointment I want to make with you people at Sturgis. I hope someday I can get back sometime when we have this little assembly of God Church and this other church and all the churches around to cooperate together and come in and have a, a healing campaign. Until that time, if I never meet you again, someday where we won't have a healing service, never need one no more, at the other side of the river, I want to meet you there. I had the same testimony then I have now, saved by the grace of God. That's right. Saved by His grace. Now I know this, that one day I've got to come to the end of the road. I don't know when it'll be. Most all Branham's when they get old. Many of them has lived to be old. My grandmother was 110. My grandfather lived to be 98 on my father's side. My grandfather on my mother's side just died a few years ago, about five years ago at around 90-something. But my father died at 52. Drinking killed him. But I may live to be old. Usually they, when they get old, they get the palsy. Shake when they get old. That's just the nature of Branham. That was the nature for... Isaac to be blind, and Jacob went blind, and so forth like that. just the nature of our family. And someday, maybe with the gray beard hairs hanging around my face, and I'm an old man, I've come to the end of the road, and I know the time is coming, I'm at the banks of the river, I can hear the breakers are roaring and know that I've got to go over. I want to look back down to every briar pile that I've come to and every mountain that I've climbed and see that I've tried to leave the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, then what I want to do is take off the helmet of salvation, lay down the shield, take the old sword and stick it back in the sheath of eternity, and cry with all my heart as I'm leaning on my stick, shaking, push out the light bolt, Lord, because I'm coming home this morning. I believe I'll be there one day. I'll meet you. Till then, may God's richest blessings be with you. Remember. If I can ever be a favor to you, write to me. I'll do anything I can to help you. I've often said people I come the night with, but I can't do that. It's just too many. It's 
thousands and thousands of sin. You, I'm sure you wouldn't understand, so it's, it's, uh, it's, I can't do that. And now, don't tell you to write to me a radio evangelist and things, which is perfectly all right. They want people to write so they can get their address and for money. We never use a penny of money. I, God knows that. I could have been a ten times a uh, rich man today if I wanted to. and just not want, I never asked for a penny. In my, I never took an offering in my life. I have refused to, one time a million five hundred thousand dollars at one time when the FBI agents brought it to me. Papers rolled it up. I said, I don't want money. It isn't money. I wear hand down this suit was given to me in Norway six years ago. I've been wearing it ever since. Not that I have to. I could stay in better hotels and so forth. But Christians, a uh, Christian is a life you live. You're supposed to live like I want to be just like the people that come to me seeking Christ. God keep me, that way's my prayer. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father. Testimonies, songs, and all glory be to thee. It's all of thee. We thank thee today because that thou hast given us this wonderful promise that some glorious day we shall see him as he is. Then we shall see each other and sit down with the prophets in the kingdom of God and the great man Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Daniel, Ezekiel, many of the others, and I pray thee, Heavenly Father, today that you'll let that be our great intent in our hearts. Our heart's desire is to meet that hour. Now, as we're just fixing to open up the Bible, we realize that any man or woman, boy or girl, that has physical use of their hands could turn open the Bible. That's just opening the book. But no man can really open it but you, Lord. We see where John said in the vision, one set upon a throne with a book sealed on the backside with seven seals, and no man in heaven, no man in earth or beneath the earth was worthy to take the book or to open the book or loose the seal. But one, a lamb bladed, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world came and tucked the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and was worthy to take the book and to loose the seal. And we pray, God, that same lamb will open this book for us today. Speak into our hearts, Lord, that which is appropriate, knowing that we are eternity-bound people. We've got our heads bowed to the dust from which we were taken, and someday if Jesus tarries, we shall return back to the dust. But we're speaking to these souls immortal that dwells within us that shall never die and will spend an eternity somewhere. God, if there's any here heading the wrong way, may they turn back to Calvary today and be reconciled to God through Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Now to you that's got your Bible, you might turn to Joel 2 or to Acts 2. Either one, because it's both the same. It's a wonderful, not a coincidence, but I wouldn't say that scriptures were set in order entirely like this, but it's amazing to see that Joel, in the second chapter, wrote the same thing that Luke wrote in the second chapter of Acts, both of them the second chapter. 
beginning about the 15th verse, we'll read a portion of the scripture. It was immediately after the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we want to read what Peter, addressing the, the congregation, the Holy Ghost had fallen upon the believers as they were commanded to go and wait for, for the power of God. Peter speaking said, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handsmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May we pause here for a moment and take under consideration these things that was prophesied. Now, we know that every as Christian believers, how many Christians are here today? Raise your hand. Just how many Christian believers? Oh, that's marvelous. And that's very good. As Christian people, we believe that this is the infallible Word of God, don't we? We have to believe that to be Christians. There's no mistake in it anywhere. It's perfect. And every word, maybe we don't understand it, we're not, we're not supposed to understand it. And Christianity cannot be understood. It's to be lived. By faith we do these things. The whole works is by faith, through grace. Now, the prophets prophesied of things. They didn't know what they were talking about. They just said them. They didn't understand. Daniel said he couldn't understand, but he just wrote it out. Because it wasn't for his day, the angel told him to close up the book until the end time. Many would run to and fro, knowledge increased, and at that time he'd stand in his lap, and at the end of the time, and all these things would take place. He didn't understand it. Many of the prophets writing did not know what they were writing. They just wrote it down because it was inspiration. And now Peter picks up Joel's prophecy here. It's in the early age of the church. Most all believers know that the church was inaugurated at Pentecost, and many times we Pentecostal people call ourselves Pentecost when we got the wrong name. The Pentecostal people were the other side, the Jews. They were up there at Pentecost. We're the church of the firstborn. See, not Pentecost. The worshipers of Pentecost was up there. We call this the Pentecostal blessing and so forth. And all churches, in a measure, wants to say that they are part of Pentecost because that's where it began. Where the, uh, uh, the word Pentecost is the word 50, where the, the outgoing of the uh, first fruits of the harvest is brought together as the feast time of the early harvest. means 50, which was after the cleansing of the sanctuary in 40 days, then they had Pentecost. And um, many of you Bible scholars wouldn't have to tear that down because you understand it. And as Christians, perhaps, have heard your well-trained pastors preach those things. Now, 
after this great thing had happened, it had happened in a way that they didn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. It was all looking for the coming of the Christ. We are aware of that. But the way he come was so different from the way they had figured out till it just turned them around. They didn't know. God usually does that at every junction station of his, his, his time. He did that. The people will get out and they'll figure out that it has to be this way. It's just got to be this way. And they'll have it all blueprinted. Don't think we haven't got it today. We've all got a blueprint just the way Christ is going to come, uh, everything. And we get charts, and I believe sometimes we know more about the church than we know about Christ. It's all been figured out. Each denomination, many times each individual, has his own way, and perhaps will come different from any of us think. God usually does it that way. Because you can't figure out God. You just believe God and walk on by faith. No way of figuring him out. Look at how easy it would have been. The Lord, when Jesus was born on uh, the, uh, Bethlehem of Judea, why, it looks like that if there had been anybody that would have received it, would have been Caiaphas as a high priest and the great clergyman and so forth. The angels ought to have come to them because they were ministers and told them that the Christ was born. But God turns right back around and the first ones recognized it was a bunch of stargazers, astronomers, who came from the east, coming westward, to recognize it. See the mystic star. Nobody else saw the star. They saw it. Why? Because it was given to them. Some people say, I can see spiritual things. They see it. Others say, I don't see it. But it wasn't given to you to see it, maybe. Well, they even kept time by the observatories that was on the top of the cities. And that star passed over every city, as far as we know, coming eastward. And for over two years, the wise man was in journey, coming from the east, because when they got there, Christ was two years old. Now, your tradition of the wise man finding a baby laying in a manger, you just might as well forget that, because that's the tradition. It wasn't a baby. They was looking for a child two years old, a young child, not an infant. And they killed all the children right then from two years old down to catch it, you see. Because, see, they never come to an infant. They come to a young child. And um, they were two years in their journey following this star. And do you believe they saw it? Sure they did. The Bible said so, but nobody else saw it. Many times the angel of the Lord appears right in, and people scream and look at it. And they say, I didn't see it. So the brother ran out everybody ought to see it. Oh, no. Paul was on his road down uh, to Damascus to arrest the people that were having a revival down there. And the angel of Christ came down in a bright light and even put Paul's eyes out. It was so bright. And there was no less than man with him saw it. Nobody saw it. It was so personal to Paul that his eyes went out. And he had to be led by his hands. Is that right? And the man with him, they didn't see no light. They didn't see nothing about it. But that power can be so real to some people, and some people know nothing about it. See? God reveals himself the way he wants to to the people he wants to. It's his sovereign will. He hardens who he hardens and justifies who he justifies. It lays in God's hand, not my hand or your hand. It lays in God's hand for what he will do. The Bible says so. Do you realize that? Did you ever read over Romans 9? How he said, Before either boy was born, Esau or Jacob said, I hate one and love the other one. How could he be just in doing that? By foreknowledge, you know what a rascal Esau was. See? And he could predestinate. Not to say set up a word predestinate, not a good word to use. It's foreknowledge. Because he would just deliberately turn you away because it, uh, because you have, he wants you to go away. He's not willing that any of you should perish. But by foreknowledge, he knows what you'll do be before you ever come on the earth. 
Sure, foreknowledge. He's infant. He's God. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipresent. See? He knows all things, all wisdom, and all times, covers all space, all power. He's infant. And if he isn't that, he's not God. If he is an almighty God, he, if he can't do all things, he's not almighty God. But if he is almighty God, he can do all things. See? So that's the way we have to believe him. So here, it's been foretold that this time would take place. Now, here's the message I want to get to you this afternoon. There is a stir in the world today. You know that. It started. And we've been about eight years in it. A revival moving up. Signs and wonders are being taken place. Now, the scientific world can't deny divine healing anymore. Even the doctors and science and everything recognize it to be true. What's it all about? Why is it today that you see these meetings go on? And why is it all churches just all join right in and join hands and go with it? Why don't they do it? We recognize. We, uh, I'm not here as an impersonator of Christianity. I'm not here as a deceiver. I'd be home with my family today and join what few days I have home. I come here because I have a message in my heart that I want to produce to you all, or to introduce to you all, rather. And that's why I come. I love you. And I realize that someday I've got to give an account for every word and every meeting that I ever held. And every word I've got to answer for it is a judgment. And if I don't tell the truth, God will hold me responsible and not you. So there it is. But if I warn the people, then the blood's not on me. If I know it and don't, then I'm required. And you minister brothers know that. And thank God for your positions and your courage to warn the people of the times to come. Now, we're living, and anyone sensible knows that we're living in the shadows of some great destruction. I've seen a scene one day of a lamb out plating in a field, and the little fellow got nervous all at once. No one could see nothing. Why? This little lamb just felt uneasy. He just kept looking around. He didn't know what to do. He reached down to get a mouthful of grass, and he'd look around. He didn't know what to do. Watching through a grass right not far from him come a big black mane lion slipping up. He couldn't see it. There's no way for him to see it. But instinct told that little lamb that danger was at hand. He was nervous. He was restful. Hadn't shot the lion, he'd have got the lamb. But there was the lion slipping up on this little poor little fellow out there in the field, and he, he couldn't see it, he couldn't hear it, but there was instinct in him that told him that there was danger near. Look at little ducks. They go up here in your Northland, and uh, in the springtime they fly out there. They get on the marshy pond, and there they lay their eggs and hatch out their little ones. All summer they're on that pond. Out of that litter of ducks, there's a drake, a little drake born that's actually born the leader. Every duck on the pond knows he's a leader. They know it. And just as soon as the first little cold breeze begins to set in in the early September, and that little frost begins to hit the top of the mountain, genre, and then that little drake will run right out on the middle of that pond, stick that little honker of his up in the air, and honk four or five times, and every duck on the pond will come to him. That's right. And what will he do? He'll, he's never been off of that pond. He don't know nothing else but that pond. That's all he knows. He was born there last spring. He's been raised and fed on that pond. He never was off of it. But he'll raise right up there and go just as straight to Louisiana as he can go. Without a compass, without a flat. It's instinct. Every duck knows their leader. They know he's a leader. No matter which way he goes, they'll follow him. Ducks with instinct know how to follow their leader. 
but man with the Holy Ghost fails to follow his leader. If a duck ought to know and has sense enough to know to follow his leader from danger to safety, how much more ought a Christian to follow the leader, the Holy Spirit, that'll lead you from danger? The whole world's a shaking. I go into Germany. Oh, what do they do? I go into India. What are they going to do? I go into Switzerland. Everywhere. What are they going to do? The whole world is shaking. The United States is shaking. The great uh, bureaus and so forth and the great Pentagon and all that investigating supernatural things, flying saucers, what are they? Oh, they say we've seen little men in them, all kinds of stories. They try to deny it, but they're there. Why? God said that there'd be signs in the heavens above and in the earth. We got it. They're praying. Last week you seen the big lines in the paper all through Tennessee and down there. I've seen in your paper that when this general said it, an attack on the United States was easy to happen. Sure. Certainly. They're getting out private watchers to watch the skies for planes. What's the matter? Everybody's shaking. They're trying now, figuring on moving the, the White House and all of its cabinets down in Kentucky back into them caves and things. What's the matter? The lamb is shaking because the land is coming up. Everybody knows it's sensible and got good mental powers and reasoning. Knows that something's fixing to happen. And if you look at this blessed old God book, it predicts these things to be. We're here to enroll. And friends, it behooves you to sit down and take inventory of yourself. And to be sure, if you went to the restaurant and took a bowl of soup and had a fly on it, you'd kick it away and, and what a you'd raise with a man, I'll never eat in this place again. If that's the way you cook your food, you'll watch that little body of yours that nothing bad goes into it, but poke any kind of poison there is in your soul. That's right. Let it come from the Word of God. Don't take any petty soft glove saying we need to take off our shirts and preach the gospel. Right. The power of God unto salvation and stand on God's Word and His promises. We see the Bible said that these things would happen. He said in the last days of these scoffers making fun and pointing their fingers and saying there's no such things in the days of miracles and science. But he said he'd have a church that signs and wonders would be following that church. We got it. Now it's been in all ages. When God first made creation in a phenomenal way, when he spoke the world into existence and drove the stars and the moons off of his hands, as to say, Spoke the word, and it come into existence. The very earth that you're sitting on today was the created word of God. If he didn't speak the world into existence, where did he get the material to make it out of? Where did it come from? Sure he is. He spoke it into existence. It's the word of God. The very dirt and things that you're sitting on today is the created word of God. You're here because you come into creation by the speaking of the word of God. Every one of you. And notice, if you get old, die away, go back to the dust of the earth. The, mother, the earth is the mother of every natural thing that I can see. Certainly. Now, I want you to notice a minute. When God made Adam and Eve and made the creation and everything, it was beautiful. God, while Adam had control of the powers of God, he could speak anything. It obeyed just exactly like it would God. He had a perfect fellowship with God, walk with him, talk with him, commune with him, had a fellowship. Then, then when Adam and Eve, when Eve sinned and they went out of the Garden of Eden, it come on down, on down, and the world began unfolding. And as it unfolded more and more, the first thing you know, cities began to build. 
That's one great sign of the end time. Our little city of Jeffersonville has raised from about 14,000, it's a little old river city, from 14,000 to around 30-something thousand in the last few years. They're carrying out all the farms and everything else and making housing projects. What's the matter? It's a sign of the end time. That's right. And that day we find out they begin to work with copper. They begin to work with metal. Look at the day. Even making ships and planes and everything else. Metal workers. Great uh, intelligence. A great time of school. Great educational program. Just before the end of the world. And Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, said, As it was in the days of Noah, so would it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Look at the way I was talking to Mrs. Woods, Mr. Woods, today while we were eating dinner up on the divorce cases and things of the United States. We have the highest rate of divorces of all the world put together. We have more divorces. Man, the Bible said, be marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking, the morals and so forth that they'd have. How to date. Marrying and giving in marriage. The Reno Nevada's. Man, go out and live with her, marry a girl, take her for his wife, live with her a few days, he don't like her, he kicks her off without the court. Ungodly people give him a divorce and a right to marry another. But God says that's wrong. Right. But the, they do it. Our civilization is crumbling. We see that. It's a sign, a post, that we're at the end time. Notice. All these great buildings and these great things are going on just the same way. Now I'm going to hurt your feelings for a minute. I'll tell you, when you preach the gospel, you can't expect people to, uh, for what somebody's going to get hurt. But I'll tell you, take it for just a little bit. Don't examine it by the word of God. Mama used to tell me when I was a little boy, we was raised off the poor. Only thing, we didn't have nothing to eat. We'd take old corn cone. We didn't even have any meat. Mama takes some... Uh, uh, and you put in the bread and she'd take meat skins and, and boil them or fry them in an old dish pan or bread pan and make the grease that went into the corn pone. And we had to live so poor. And I know every Saturday night when us kids would come home and be in school and so forth, Mama believed in castor oil. Every night take a big dose, a Saturday night, a dose of castor oil. I got so it, I tell you, I, I just despised it. That whole I told I said, oh, Mama, it makes me so sick. She said, if it don't make you sick, it don't do you any good. Now, that's the same thing by the gospel. You don't, it will stir up your gastronomics and set you ready for the week and the, the journey ahead. The gospel is certainly sticking you up if you're not right with God. Amen. I don't say that for a joke, but that's truth. Now, I want you to notice, my brethren and sisters, that we're at the end time. And just before the end time comes for the first junction, or the first uh, the time of the destruction of the antediluvian world, there were signs appearing in that day just exactly like there is today. And if I only had time and get off my text for a few minutes, I'd show you how the very atomic powers that destroyed the world then will destroy it again. They built the seats and the pyramids and all those things that no gasoline or no other power in the world would build but the atomic power. Right. And some fanatic got a hold of it, of course, and blew it. And when it did, it blew bills. It stand up right away from the sun. And when anything's hot and goes out in the cold, it causes, causes a vapor. And that's what causes our rain today. Really, the same thing because it's leaning. And this time the Bible said it won't be water, but fire. And just a few motions out of its orbit right now would burn up with the atoms from the sun. Just exactly what God said would take place. But... Why, the scientific proof of his coming is marvelous, which we had a week or two to say here in revival services. 
You can prove those things that it's the truth scientifically. The world's at the end time. We're here at the end. Notice that how in that same time there came a guy for the name of Nimrod. He wanted to make a, a confederation. And he confederated all confederation of all the churches and all the cities and things that built a city called Babylon. Wish we had time to go in on that Babylon. Watch everything that we have today. Everything we have today come out of Genesis. Genesis means the beginning, the root, the grassroots of all times. Every crop we have today originated in Genesis. Every tree and everything else we have today originated in Genesis. The truth we have today originated in Genesis through the blood of the Lamb. The crop we have today originated in Genesis and Babylon. Look, the Bible appears over here in the first of the Bible. It appears in the middle of the Bible. It appears in the last part of the Bible. Certainly is. That's where she's growing, like a tree, coming up. And so does the church appear along. But Nimrod, an ungodly uh, fellow, went out and got all the people and confederated them together and made one great big union. Look what they're doing today, in this nation today, confederating the churches together and bringing forth a modern Babylon. Man with the social gospel denying the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and divine healing and so forth are denying it. It's all God's program to bring people to their knees. We got the same thing today. And right in the time of that great confederation of the unions of that day, what taking place? God had a man on earth that was a genuine article. And his name was Enoch. He preached and walked before God perfectly. There was another one by the name of Noah. God has always his two witnesses. And he appeared, both of them appeared on the scene, preaching the gospel. And remember, just before the coming of the end of that dawn world that day, angels appeared on the earth at the end time. Prophets appeared on the earth at the end time. Prophets and angels and signs and wonders. It was a warning. And Noah himself came in the world out of an ark. A miracle for him to build an ark. How would he ever build an ark? An old man out here, the whiskers hanging down, 600 and something years old, out there, panning away on an ark. And it's on a dry land where there had never been a speck of water. And yet he said, there's coming water from the heavens. And the idiotic unbelievers would look up and say, where's the any water? You read that story of that guy talking about, he's off at his head. That's the same thing today. But he was preparing an ark for the saving of those who wanted to be saved. And the gospel preacher today that's preaching the gospel of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the second coming is carrying away the thing that people say is crazy. Amen. Amen. You know that to be the truth. Nor was Billy Gennard. He was not only was it a miracle, but he was preparing for a miracle. Now the church today is not only having miracles, but it's preparing for a miracle. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church to be taken up. Getting the church ready, visualized, to see signs and to see the omnipotent God, the great power of God moving amongst the people, which the rapture will be an easy thing when Jesus comes. They'll be caught up because they believe in such. Sure, we're at the end time. We're at the junction road. The crossing time, the ending of a dispensation, the beginning of a new. He's been sick to those, and we're on the seventh. I want you to notice quickly. Noah building away on the ark, looking forward to a miracle coming. There was miracles that happened. He was preaching the supernatural. What? Yes, sir. He was preaching that there's a God of heaven who will destroy 
time building an ark for the faith. Well, I imagine they thought he was crazy. But when the thunders begin to roar and the lightning flash, even the birds and the animals taking their position, a miracle taking place. When animals begin to come to Noah, is it any much lighter today when we see possums crawl across the road that's beat up and everything else is taking place even in the animal realms is proving that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is near at hand to come. Man, we're at the end time. We're at the junction time. Certainly we are. Notice, amen. And when the, another thing was that when the waters begin to fall and they seen that the miracle actually was taking place, the outside world would have scorned and made fun of him with lots out of mercy. So will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Many who laugh and make fun and say the days of miracles is past and miracles happening daily in the believer's life. It'll be too late for him at that day. The doors of mercy will be closed. The sanctuary will become smoky. And there's no more intercession for sin from then on. Let him that's filthy be filthy still. Let him that's righteous, righteous still. And him that's holy, holy still. That's what the Bible says. And we believe it. And you know it, my brethren and sisters. And I notice another thing. Uh, one of the greatest things, when all the pipes begin to fall and the, the waters begin to raise, instead of Noah drowning, he was at rest in the ark. Amen. Noah, who admired God, was resting at peace as the ark floated along. And a believer today that's in Christ Jesus, don't care how many atomic bombs they talk about, that's not his interest. Today preachers are trying to be reformers instead of gospel preachers. They're saying, you quit doing this, you don't do that. Get my church to do this. That's not our business. The priests are reformers. They're the one who sends them to penitentiary to reform them. We're gospel preachers to tell them of Jesus Christ and get them born again of the Spirit of God. Then God takes over the person. The Holy Ghost gets into the heart of the man and woman. You know that's true, each one of you. Notice, but as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man, eating, marrying, giving in marriage, scoffers, and all these things. We're living at the end time. Signs and wonders begin to appear right amongst those people. Prophets come. And we're told by God's Word, before the end time, prophets shall arise again. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Is that right? Certainly they will. And then it's also predicted that also that your young men shall see visions. People call it mental telepathy. They call it everything. You call you, Jesus says they call the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more will they call them as his disciples? We're living in the end time. That's what we are. We see these things. A junction time. Notice, at the end of Luke's destruction, the world was wiped off. And God started from the chaos of that time and began to rebuild again. Man finally becomes lovers of themselves. They had great judges and so forth. And they begin to look to the things of the world and explain the preachers of the ministers of those days. All them days is all past. There's no such a thing anymore. And the first thing you know, they come down to the time that when Israel had went, come down into Egypt and was there for 400 years, the leading nation of the world because of sin and unbelief had been brought down because they wouldn't trust God and was in Egypt because God's word said they'd be promised to Abraham that they would be. And there had to come a junction time that when this segregation had to come and we we're at a junction time now when God will separate the sheep from the goats. That's right. It's segregation time. And watch before God uh, looked like he didn't pay attention to nothing. Just let them go ahead, and it explained all the supernatural ways. They don't have burdens, and they had other things to do. They had brick kills to tend to, and slime kills to tend to. 
world things to do to please Pharaoh. All the supernatural had been gone, but one day God knew that he had to prepare that people for a march. And the first thing God did when he came down, when omnipotent speak, miraculous takes place, God spoke, and when it was a little boy named Moses was born, right, and they seen as soon as he was born, he was a fair child. He got to the best he had left on earth. God's never been without a witness. And the first thing, it was miraculous how God had him pushed out into a, the dollar amongst the crocodiles and things and protected him and brought him back and put him out under Pharaoh's nose and raised him up and educated him. Is that young on the side of the hill one day, a man 80 years old with whiskers who had disobeyed God, when God came down in miraculous in the power of an angel and spoke to him in the burning bush? What was it? It was time for prophets to appear. It was time for angels to appear. It was at the end time, the junctions of the road. God spoke to Moses and came down. He sent Aaron. And when he went out there, the supernatural was done. Why, it was the junction time, the end time. Miracles taking place. And there were the old false potters, too, down there, too. The valleys had them. They had them in the days of the Andaluvians. They had them in them days. There's good jammers and jammers. Saying, hey, well, we can do just as much as you can. You heal and we'll heal a thousand. That's where we got it today. We got the impersonators. We got people pretending to be when they're not. And the Bible said, as Jemmers and Jemmers withstood Moses, several these men have reprobated mine concerning the truth in the last days at the junction we're at now. And there stood Jemmers and Jemmers when Moses stood down and performed the miracle of God. They impersonated it and done a miracle too with their state. And Moses called for plagues and they called plagues. It's the devil's turn loose. The Bible says that when the spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. And we're in this day with a lot of impersonation. Man acting like Christians, pretending to be, and then they're hard as black as the smutty walls of hell. There's man a pulpit today that should be like uh, cutting corn or something. Be better off. There's man with their theology, their great degrees and things like that, and knows more about God than a hot and pot knows about Egyptian nights. Talk to him about the power of God in the resurrection. Oh, that's fanatical preacher. That was in the days gone by. Sure as what they are. They don't realize what day they're living in. You know that to be the truth. It was in them days. I'm showing you the shadows and so forth and show you what shadow we're in now. That you people here will serve God. I'm not telling you what church to join. That don't make any difference. I'm saying come to Christ. That is. Notice. Jabez and Jeremiah. What was the test? What was the final test? We're predicted in the last days that the Antichrist will have power. What kind of powers? He'll do great miracles. Did the Bible say so? Sure he did. He said he'll even make fire come down out of heaven. Is that right? But not one place did the Bible predict that the Antichrist would heal a sick person. Because he can't. God is the only one that can heal. I'm the Lord who heals all of our diseases. That was a showdown test between the false and the real when they come down here to Egypt. They throw down their sticks and made snakes. They did the same thing, Jamerson and Jamis before Moses and Aaron. And they performed miracles and so did they. But they could bring the plague of bells, but they broke out too and couldn't be healed. And when Moses and Aaron had power to take it away, it proved, and they said, this is the finger of God. And today, divine healing is considered of the devil by a lot of modern thinkers. That divine healing is of the devil. It's the power of Almighty God. The 
individual faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus. The things that I do shall you also, even more than this, for I go to my Father. I'll be with you always to the end of the world. The junction time was there. Miracles was performed. God led him out to the Red Sea. And he opened up the Red Sea by faith, Moses and them. Miracles were performed, and the people know that there was at the end time a junction. Wish we had time to stay longer on it, but we had some more junctions coming. It was a junction time. When Abraham and Lot journeyed together, Abraham to be heir of the world, all things. Now he had a lukewarm, backslidden church member with him. His nephew. Good relation to him. And his name was Lot. A lukewarm, modernistic, bloodless church member. That's right. It's the very type of today. They had it every age. They got it today. A form of godliness denying the power thereof. They got it today. There was Lot going along. Right along, just as religious as he could be. But when it comes to the showdown, they had a spiritual understanding. What even began way back when Cain and Abel, when Cain, a modern man, came to the church, to the altar, build a church. Cain built a church. What am I trying to say to you? I'm trying to tell you, my friend, that just going to church and making a confession and doing good works will never save you. You've got to be born again. It has to come as a spiritual revelation. Look at Cain. If you could just... Look, there's two boys. Both of them, Cain and Abel. We'll leave the text out here and go back just for a minute. Look at Cain and Abel to begin it. We're sure you see it's pro and con always, right and wrong. And it is today. Notice this. When Cain and Abel, both of them, both them boys built an altar to God. They built a church to the Lord. Now, if grinding the church is all God requires, then he would be... Neither was he a communist. He knelt down and worshipped the Lord. Is that right? Cain worshipped the Lord. Sincere. If sincerity is all God requires, he'd have to justify Cain. But there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Oh, let me sink this deep in your heart. Don't forget it. Spiritual revelation. There was no Bible in that day. That was the only creatures on earth. But by revelation, Abel brought a lamb. Faith. Cain brought works and church membership and the other things and build a church. That surely Jehovah likes beauty. Jehovah, our guests of the big lilies and things that over the altar, like you do on Easter. About last time to see you until Easter again. What is it? God don't want the Easter lily on the altar. He wants you on the altar. And he laid these sacrifices down there. He put the fruits of the field down there. He said, Jehovah, you're beautiful. If you only had time to go back and see, that's the very nature of his daddy, the devil. But by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, said Hebrews 1. Or Hebrews 11, rather. Here, what happened? Abel, by spiritual revelation, saw that it was blood that brought us into the mortal realm and not fruits of the field. Some preachers even still think they eat apples. All right. Anyhow, if I don't say this for a joke. I don't believe in joking. But if you're right, my brother friend, that eating apples made women realize they're naked, better get some apples again. Yes, sir. Because I tell you, it's a sin and a shame the way people are living and doing. Out on the streets, naked young girls and old grandmas 
and all together and then go to church and sing in a choir and call yourself religious? Well, your fruits show what you are. What you want to strip your clothes off for? Only one person in the Bible ever did his demon possessed. Now, I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm saying that to warn you. This may be the last time I ever see you or speak to you. I want you to remember. Amen. Now, watch just a moment. Cain, by revelation, or Abel, rather, by revelation, realizes. Watch when Jesus come down off Mount Transfiguration, the same thing he promised to build his church. Not by written law, not by a bunch of creeds, not by a textbook. When he come down off the Mount Transfiguration, he said, Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? One of them said, Oh, you're Elijah. One said, No, you're Jeremiah. One said, You're the prophet. He said, What do you say I am? And Peter said, Died to Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. You never learned it in any seminary out of any textbook. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed it to you, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. What is it? The spiritual revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Bible said no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the witness of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost takes a hold of you and reveals to you that he is the risen supernatural God of himself, then you realize where you're standing. Outside of that, you're never born again, and you don't know. You're just taking what Mama said or what the preacher said. But what do you think about it? It'll never be until it's revealed to you. The junction time is here. The head of all things has come. The time end of all times has come. Notice, eternity's next. When Lot chose to go down into well places, or he could build bigger churches, perhaps. That's the modern, the modern idea of it. He was in the well-watered place. Oh, the big church and all this. And his wife become the head of the... Lady sewing circle, perhaps. Lot was the mayor of the city. Oh, he had things easy. Everything. What did he do? He got down there to the world, got in such a uh, chaos until man absolutely failed to have natural use of their body and become perverted. The perversion must be a sign of the end. And today, that perversion in homosexual is on the increase of even 40% of our national government is possessed with perversion. That's newspapers. Right. In California, the letters that come to me from the mothers of things up and down are where women have become the god of the world. And the federal flappers will make men bow quicker than anything in the world. Women with their dirty, rotten dress, and you look through your televisions and things and see some of them old girls out there that's cut on all this stuff, and you go out and try to impersonate them and don't realize they've been married four or five times, and some of them may fit to be door rugs, and you make that a your example and say, the humble Lord Jesus, who died at Calvary to save you from sin, take your choice today. Amen. Modern half-less church members cannot tell you how Jesus was born or any man of these things, but they can sure look in one of these old love story magazines and tell you who wrote it and what time this actress done this or that. It's a shame. Right. You say, what are you preaching, brother? I'm telling you the truth. And I want you to listen to me. Sir, it's a disgrace from the way things are going on in our modern world today, a sign of the end time. That's what they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. The natural use of bodies. A man becomes so plain to women today, there's not even respect. They'll hardly take off their hat, man will, in front of women, and they have no respect for them at all. What's that? The women do it themselves. 
and you all talk about juvenile delinquency and things, I think it's parent delinquency. Some of you let your girls go out and run around all night with a cigarette smoking, cocktail drinking party. Come in the next morning, your clothes half off of her, old makeup all over her face and that, and you call the Kentucky mothers ignorant. Write a patch about little dog Patcher Abner, make fun of the Kentucky mothers. I've some of my people up in there. Let one of them girls throw that up there. Brother, I'll tell you, she wouldn't get out of bed for six months. You'd take a hickory limb and beat what clothes you had left on her off. And if you had something like that back in the church today, you'd have better. Man, God give us the old time mother. I've got two girls coming. I don't know what they'll be. I see them laying out on the beaches, half naked before men, stretching themselves out there until they get a suntan. And brother, I, I may not live. But if God lets me live and keep my right mind, if one of mine does it, she'll get a suntan and it'll be Mr. Branham's son with a barrel strap behind her. She'll be tanned all right. She'll know where I come from, too. Yes, sir. We need the day of old-fashioned God said St. Paul's revival and the Bible, Holy Ghost, and all this old chicka-chocker, uh, halfway formal religious broke up and Jesus Christ preached to the power of his resurrection where signs and wonders and miracles can take place again in the church before the end time. And we are going to have it. Amen. Get that. Oh, devil's out of hell. Take topic for God said it would be here. It's going to be here. Sure it is. Solid we are. The junction time comes. Evil set in. Then when evil set in, God had a true prophet appear. Abraham. Amen. What happened? Angels come in the form of man. That's right, isn't it? Angels come up in the form of man. The end time was there. The junction time. They preached to this crowd of crowds and without any effect. The same thing we're getting today. Right! But God swept those cities throughout the whole plains there and for every city and destroyed everything and a disgrace was left as Lot's wife standing as the pillar of salt even to this day. Of her looking back and warning as a warning. At another junction's coming on. Certainly, the daughters and things even sniggered and laughed at them preachers, preaching the truth. And they do the same thing today. Certainly they do. End time. Wish we had longer to dwell on it. We'll go to another. There come a time where there had to be a junction in Israel when Ahab married Jezebel, a little painted up flapper, and turned all the idols, all God into a uh, church into an idolatry. Just about the same thing's done today. When Spiritual people have got so formal till they got the church to nothing but a lodge. You know that's true. No need of hiding it. It's the truth. Just a lodge. Join the lodge. Change your paper. You pack it from the Methodist to the Baptist to the Presbyterian. Every time any little thing comes up you don't like, you pack your paper. That wore it out. Won't you tear the thing up anyhow and put your name on the book of life in heaven where it won't be packed around from place to place. Right. Nothing against Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, nothing against them. But it's the way you're living in them. And a lot of us cause the failing to preach the gospel and warn the people. That's right. What we need is more warning, more gospel preaching. Just a moment before we close. Notice, when the junction camp time came, God had a prophet appear on earth, Elijah. He had angels appear on earth. Absolutely. He had signs and wonders to appear on earth. He shut the heavens that it didn't rain in the days of his prophecy. He done other things and miracles and signs before the people to prove it. That's another one. The fourth one. What's the fifth one coming up? 
They've done that all through judges and lawyers and so, uh, judges and so forth and lawyers of the laws and so forth. They got down to it, explained all the power away. There's no such a thing as miracles anymore. And they've got carried off into Babylon and wars and troubles. That's what we have now. But there come a junction time. Hallelujah. Now, I know you're going to call me a holy roller anyhow, so you might as well get started. I feel good. For I know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lives and reigns. There's people who will believe him. That's right. So there, when I see back there, just before the end time comes, there was an honest man by the name of Zachariah who had prayed earnestly for a child. And what happened? An angel appeared on earth for the first time since Malachi. Hundreds of years. And an angel appeared and told Zachariah a miracle was going to take place. And he believed it. Didn't believe it first. But God absolutely called. It been so dull. So well, he had Abraham, Isaac, and Sarah, and all of them back there to believe and hand at the temple. But he failed to sit there. That was God a long time ago. He came to it today, and that angel said, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. My words will be fulfilled in their season. Because that you have tied me, you'll be dumb till the day the baby's born. You'll call his name John. Amen. The junction time had come. Oh, sure, there's a space. All the miracles is all explained away, but the days of miracles is coming back again. There was a changing from the law to grace. The dispensations are changing again. The junction time. And every time we come to a junction, things happen. Omnipotent speech miraculous takes place. Certainly. God spoke. And a woman is way past age of having a child had it. And then when he wrote on the slate, John, the angel of the Lord healed him. And he had divine healing. There come another angel. The same angel that appeared to a little woman who had never had a baby, never was even, wasn't even married, and said she was going to have a baby. And she believed it. When he was born, he started off, the first thing he started seeing visions, like the Bible said he would, telling people they're wrong and who they was. The Pharisees said, Ah, oh, the days when miracles is passed. There's nothing to that guy. He's Beelzebub. Jesus said, If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those his disciples? So the Bible said, Beelzebub cast out devils. Who do you cast them out by? All right. There they started. And away they went. Signs and wonders began to follow the master. As he went on from healing the sick, that's took place then. Then the next he began to feed the fishes and break bread and turn the atoms loose and create powers. And they, then from that he went to raising the dead. Miracles begin to grow faster and faster and faster and faster as the junction time comes. That's the same thing taking place today. There's all coming when this world will shake with the powers of God. Right. And you're seeing it happen right before you now. Here it is. The miracles begin to take place. Set in. It's nearing the end. Jesus began to warn him. And as he went on, miracle after miracle started happening. Greater and greater started happening as he went on. And finally they hung him on the cross. Then God answered from heaven. The sun refused to shine. The moon turned dark. The stars went to short light. And the Son of God died at Calvary. And he was such a taken until the sun had convulsions and went out. Amen. Nature taking place answered back. Miracles. Signs. And still I'm hard-hearted religious people walking around saying, well, he's just a spiritualist. That's all. He just fails you, bub. 
And at the same time they did that, the nervous, the earth had a nervous prostration. On Easter morning it shook so high on the nervousness until it pulled the dead bodies of those in the grave out and it came out and appeared to many. Amen! Signs and wonders were at the end time, at the junction. Then went forth the gospel, 1,500 years of dark ages. Then come another junction when Protestantism cut itself loose from Catholicism at the early Reformation with Luther. Signs and wonders too. Luther and Wesley, John Wesley, when he preached and found healing and healed the sick, and signs and wonders followed his revival, and you know it to be the truth. You can say it in the Methodist church today, and they'll kick you out the door. When John Wesley, right here, him and Whitfield, when he was riding on his horse to go pray for a sick woman, his horse fell and broke his leg, and he got up and took his anointing oil and anointed the horse and the oil in the name of the Lord, and got on it and rode away. Junction time. Amen. Right there in England now, where he's preaching divine healing, and the high church of England persecuting him as it is today, and they turned the fox hounds and fox loose. He pointed his finger in the face and said, The son of us put on your head three times till you be calling for me to pray for you. He died that night with cramps. He called him John with his grave wine. Junction time. Hallelujah. Now you become so cultivated. You become so organized to each one of your little petty organizations. Believe it, this is now, and I belong to this, I belong to that. Oh, you poor, miserable person. If that's all you've got to hang to, God be merciful to your sinful soul. The time has come when the clergyman has raised up to be some kind of actors in the stiff. Uh, what's the matter today? They don't have the old-fashioned religion they used to have. Today you've got too much Hollywood evangelism. Some little sissified guy with manicured hair set up in a bunch of women with earrings hanging down like the devil's turps and enough paint on their face to paint a barn and bobbed hair. And that used to be a sin among you holy people. What happened? You did run well. The Bible still says it's a sin. Right. But oh my, you saintly people, you bob your hair and you, oh, you do all these things. Now, don't get angry. If it makes you sick, just take it anyhow. It'll do you good. Right. Oh, you Pentecostal people, you used to be very holy, but what happened? You did run well. Paul said, what would hinder you? If it was a sin then, it's a sin now. The devil might have went out of fashion, but he didn't go out of business. He's still in business. That's right. You know that's the truth. No need to squirming around about it. You know that's the truth. Yes, sir. But what is it? It's a sign of the end time. Now again, the pastor's Old brother, Methodist preacher, friend of mine, old brother Sturgeon used to sing this, we let out the bars, we let out the bars, we compromise with sin, we let out the bars, the sheep got out, but how did the goats get in? Uh, you let out the bars, that's what's the matter. Old John Smith, when he was nearly 90 years old, stood up and they had to pack into the pulpit. He preached a short sermon, only two and a half hours is all longer he could preach in a Methodist church. And he said, oh, such a disgrace. He said, my heart is a burning within me. For the daughters of the Methodist church has become so foul till they're wearing gold rings up on their fingers. What would you think today with a pair of shorts on? Oh, God, be merciful. Don't you see what I mean? No wonder such people as that and such preaching as getting the bars down and compromising taking membership instead of fellowship with Christ. And took the upper room where we used to go and pray and you old-fashioned Methodists and Baptists follow the floor with the Holy Ghost and the dash water in your face and pan with a fan. You old mammies and daddies know that. 
But today, oh my, my. No, the very idolatry, oh, they wouldn't, oh my, no, they wouldn't believe in that. It's too bad. Just too bad that you don't. You ought to go back to the old way again. But today you lay down the bars and you see what you got? You hacked out a bunch of infidels, social gospel preachers with education instead of salvation, compromising with the world? That's right. You'd say, preacher, what you so hard about? It's time to be hard. Right. Time to tell the truth. Why to a man? Could you imagine John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost when Herod come out living with his brother Philip's wife? And here the deacons come and say, don't you preach on marriage and divorce? Now, I'll tell you who he is. He's got his brother Philip. Old John full of the Holy Ghost. Could he hold his peace? With that old piece of sheepskin wrapped around his hairy chest, he walked out and said, it's not possible for you to have her. Amen. God, give us some more men like that. We'll call Doc Doc and White Wife. You will preach the gospel uncompromised. The old rugged gospel of Jesus Christ. And believe this dear old black back Bible to be the truth and take Jesus Christ as Savior. Things will happen. Miracles will come back in the church. You know that's true. In time, the social preachers have begun to say, all oh, the days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as that. It's nonsense. But God has arose on the scene again. Omnipotent is speaking, the sick being healed, the blind see, the deaf hear, the cripples walk, devils are cast out, power has come, the Holy Ghost is putting gifts in the church, manifesting, man is seeing visions, prophets are appearing. What is it? It's at the end time. We're at the junction. And if Jesus Christ, at his coming to settle sin, produced such a thing as he did on that day, and remember, there were sins of thousands rejected it. Millions rejected it. And there'll be tens of millions rejected. And now when the devil's turn loose with every power of hell, how much more will he come with his impersonations and acting to be as it is in that day, and so will it be in this day. We're at the end time. God's showing signs and wonders. Christian people, you who have professed without being possessed of the Holy Ghost, why don't you give up that stubborn will of yours and come to God and be regenerated and born again of the Spirit of God. If in your heart you don't believe in the miraculous, you don't believe that God does these things today, if God is still God, He's got to be the same God. If He's lost His power, He's a dead God. What good does the God of Elijah do you? Ask you something. What good is the God of Moses do you if He's dead? What good is the God of Elijah do you if He's dead? If he isn't the same, then he's a historical something. But he is not a historical Christ. He is a risen Christ. And all his power and the fullness that he ever was, he is today living among us right now, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Where's the junction time? Look for everything to happen. The nerves, the worlds are trembling. And ministers are saying, well, you know, the medical sciences recognize those things and write pages about it. Well, the paper's full of miracles that are happening. What's it all about? Well, I tell you, Dr. Jones, uh, we'll talk about divine healing. Well, we'll see what Moody said about it. Moody was all right. He was all right for his day, but he won't work today. A French scientist 300 years ago scientifically proved science, modern, he proved that if a man would ever go the terrific speed of 30 miles an hour, gravitation would take him off the earth. 
Do you think science today refer back to that fella? We're going 1,600 miles per hour today and still moving on. Because science is eating off this tree of knowledge. And we are over here, the preachers, uh, the knowledge will only run so far that it falls backwards. But the tree of life has no end to it. We've got untapped resources, and you're scared to step out and take God at his word. I don't care if you want. Moody was all right. He was in his day like that sinus was. But, brother, we're not traveling in an ox cart. The church of the living God is moving to a jet plane. We're moving off the road. Shines and wonders. And we're just starting. Omnipotent is speaking. The miraculous is happening. Why don't you get in and go with us? We'd be glad to have you along. Call you our brother, sister. I'm not meaning it as you're not in a sense, but I want you to get into the blessing. One day, the Bible says that things will break out on this earth and diseases and things, and all people will be plagued and fresh or rot on them and so forth. But the Bible says, don't you come near any of those who has the seal of God in their forehead. And the seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you had that, brothers. I don't want to disagree with you. I'll be in a seventh day. There's no scripture for that. But the Bible in Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of your redemption. And the mark of the Antichrist is to reject that Holy Ghost, which you're sealed outside the kingdom forever, with no, no way to ever be forgiven. He that speaks against the Holy Ghost will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. There's your mark of the beast and the seal of God in one little handful. The seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the mark of the Antichrist is denied. Now, you're marked one way or the other. Don't you want to have the Holy Ghost today? If you people here would just only believe with a few moments of prayer, signs and wonders would take place in this church this afternoon. Anything could happen. But we're at the junction time. This is the seventh junction. What's the next, Brother Branham? We're going into the millennium. That's right. Time will cease at this junction, and eternity will begin for us. And never more. And if they have been through all of these things when all the world's history is climaxing in this great drama, what's the matter? What makes people so nervous? Why is even psychiatrists are coming to be prayed for? Why is it the world's in a nervous age, an erotic age? When people can't wait <clears throat> down the street 90 miles an hour, stop in the beer joint two hours before they go home. Run over people. What's the matter? What's everybody in such a hurry? You can't visit your neighbor. You don't have no friendship. Don't know who lives next door to you. You ain't got time to this. In a hurry. What's the matter? There's a great drama being set. That's right. And the lion-hungered nations are ravishing in. But just before he gets able to take it, God will take his church. I watched an old eagle one day when she's up in her nest. Stirring up her nest, the Bible said how they would do. I was herding cattle on a ranch. I was way back up the top of the mountain. It's in the springtime. Now, I put my binoculars on. I thought, what is that up there? I heard a lot of squawking going on. Is that old mother eagle taking those little ones from the old pukey nest down the stinkiest place you ever seen where they bring the food in? That poor little eagles know nothing else but just the old stinky nest. Walked on thorns and thistles, and the old mother got them on her wings, and she went down into the valley and spread forth her wings, and all those little eaglets run all around. I said, if that ain't an old-time camp meeting, I've never seen one. The world being taken out of the old pukey nest, excuse that expression, but an old nest of the world where just stink and vomit and everything and filth of the world and adultery and tobacco and whiskey and every other thing that could go on, card parties and everything. And Christians, professed Christians, do that. 
And Pentecostal people, you're not immune from it. I've been right in your places that done it, too. I don't think because you've gone to Pentecostal church, God don't recognize the Pentecostal church more than he recognizes any of the rest of them. He recognizes an individual's faith in him. That's all. No matter what it is, don't call pot, can't call kittle black. Now, let me tell you, there when uh, she laid these little eagles out there, they'd been in that old nest, they didn't know nothing but his hard life and all this like the, the sinner does. But when just walking on this little soft grass, they were just chirping and tumbling, turning little tumbles over one another. I said, that ain't an old time meeting I'd ever seen one. Just carefree, a bite, a little piece of grass here, a little piece there. I thought, why are they so carefree? What nature you'll see God. I know it's that old mother eagle, as soon as she left her wounds off, she soared way on her into the skies, to the highest rock that she could find. I turned my glasses on her. I looked at her. There she was, sitting up there, her big, stately body frame, working those feathers, looking around. I thought, you know what? I thought, that poor little eagle, I watched her, her eye was watching. I said, now, Lord, what's this to show me? Watching nature, you can see God if you watch the way nature moves. I thought, that's right, God taking his church out of the old nest of the world. He's setting them in Beulah land here where they're just shouting and praising God and having a good time and rejoicing in the old camp meeting. I thought, well, what if a coyote would come up? And I haven't turned my glasses back. I've seen her eyes looking back. I thought, that's right, Lord. You climb the ramparts of glory. You sit down on the right hand of God and his eyes on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. He watches you. Oh, his eyes to protect us. Anyway, I thought a coyote would get around there. He'd get his eyes fogged out in a minute. That's right. So what you got to worry about, as long as his eyes on you watch, just have a good time and rejoice. Praise God. Treat your neighbor right. Live right. Do right. Act right. Be a real Christian and be not bound down with fear or wonder what's to come. And don't make any difference to you. You're going to the rapture. That's right. Dead or alive, you're going to rapture anyhow. Even death can't separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. Then after a while, I laid there, I guess, an hour. I laid across a log like this watching. And the first thing you know, I heard a little thunder in the distance. A northerner come up. A quick splash of rain come. And the sky turned green back there. And the thunder's wrapped. And I seen a old mother. She raised that head. She sent that storm. And whenever she did, she let a big scream. And here she comes. She screamed as loud as she could. Every one of them little eaglets run together like that. She spread forth her big wings. And each little eaglet put his foot right in her feathers like that, took his little mouth and took a hope like that. That old mother lifted them eaglets like that on her wings. The storm coming down the mountain, she pierced her way through that wind blowing at 60 miles an hour, right into that rock to the cliff. I thought, oh God, someday you're coming. Holding on to the wings of the cross, through the storms of life. Oh God, to safety on her to the rock. Here at Gary, Indiana, not long ago, I was down there watching something take place. They take me through one of those mills down there, those great big places where they make all these uh, machine pieces. And the man taking me up, there's a closing now, listen. And he was showing me around the factory, this whole lot of machines, lays there, turning this stuff. And all at once, while he's telling, he explained it all to me, we were standing up high, and just then a little bell rung. Every man laid up his apron and began to sweep the, the, the shavings down in the middle of the floor. I said, why are they doing that for us? I said, Reverend Branham, I'll show you something in a few minutes. I said, all right. He swept it all out in the middle of the aisle. Each man waited just a few minutes, another little whistle, toot, toot, and away everybody went. Well, the place was empty. And he said, now watch. And he pressed the button. And he pressed the button. I heard something coming. Going roar, 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 way back in the back. I thought, what is that? He said, just wait a minute. 
And when he comes, he said, step back. I stood back like this, and down through there come a great big magnet. He went right down across that floor, about a foot or two off the floor, and every one of those shavings picked out upon that magnet like that, and off out yonder it went back over there, and they demagnetized it and dropped down in the cupola to be made new material. I said, Hallelujah! He said, What's the matter with you? I said, I just feel good. He said, What you talking about? I said, I know of another big magnets are coming someday. Hallelujah. God will press the button. And when it does, I said, I want to ask you something. I said, why didn't all them shavings go? He said, you see, some of them are not magnetized to that magnet. Some of them are aluminum. And that magnet won't pick them up. I said, glory! Sure, you can be a shaving. You can be in the church, but you better be magnetized, Hunter. That's right. I said, why don't they a piece of iron? And he said, you see, Mr. Branham, it's bolted down. Oh, God, have mercy. Let's be magnetized with the Holy Ghost that when Jesus comes from the sky, someday he'll pick up these old frail bodies of humiliation and we'll be taken to God's molded pot and come out immortal again to live forever. Some glorious day, but only those who are magnetized will go. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, in thy precious name, we come to thee humbly with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all of our minds. We're at the junction time, Lord. Oh, eternal, omnipotent God, your speaking signs are appearing. When thou speakest, Lord, signs appear. Now I pray thee, precious Heavenly Father, today that you'll speak to every ungenerated, regenerated heart in this building. And may they become your children from this day on. Granted, Heavenly Father, Thou knowest them, and they know all that's yours. You said, All that's mine will come to me. All that Thou hast given unto me will come to me. And I pray, God, that there would be some here today that the Father has given you. And by the preaching, faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word, and knowing that we're at the junction time, the end time of the world, that the we're weighed in the balance and found wanting. There's many maybe around through the world today, yes, millions and millions of people who doesn't believe that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. They have a form of godliness and deny your power, deny your word, and yet they're swaying thousands of poor children into eternity without hope, without God and loss, with their social things about believing. You said they'd have forms of godliness They'd belong to churches, they'd have rituals, they'd be baptized in many ways and sprinkled in many ways and every other thing, all the forms and study catechisms and, and be taking church papers, form of godliness, but would deny the power thereof, the power to give a man a Holy Ghost to change his life and make him a new creature. You said, from such turn away. And we're in that day, Lord. I pray that you'll rise up thousands of voices everywhere to cry in this day. But the ark is being prepared, Christ's body is being formed, and someday to be caught up in the air to be with him forever. Oh, eternal God, if such a person is in here today under strong preaching and strong doctrine, I pray, Father, that conviction has come to soul. I've sowed the word now, you water, Father, and may they accept it today for Jesus' sake. And while we have our heads bowed in this visible, uh, this auditorium here now, if there's a man or woman here that hasn't been born again, I, it's up to you, friend. This may be the last time 
you'll ever hear my voice. And perhaps if I'd come back a year from the day as many of you sitting here could not be here, you'll be in eternity. And I may be myself. I don't know that's in the hands of God. But even with this few hundred people we got right in here, maybe two or three hundred people this afternoon, there are bound to be some of you gone by next year. You know that. It's marked in your cards ready to be tucked out of the rack at any time. Are you really, really born again? Do you know it? Jesus said, These signs shall follow them at least. And if you're not, and you're conscious enough with your right mental condition to realize that you're without Christ then, if you're not born again, Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he will in no wise, no matter how good you are, what you've done, no wise will he ever even see the kingdom of God. And if you're in that condition today, will you do as much as this, raise up your hand and to God and say, Be merciful to me and give me this experience of being born again, Heavenly Father? Do you believe it? Would you raise your hand? Is there a person anywhere in divine presence? God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Bless you, my little sister. That's sincerity, the honest, honest sincerity. You should believe at this time. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day. Now is the time. Now is the time to believe it. Would there be another hand? Remember, I might see your hand, but it don't count whether I see it or not. It's whether God sees it. What if in the morning or tonight sometime you'd have to turn over and feel a real strange pain in your side? You'd have to say, oh, what's this? You call for the doctor. That pain's going down your side, doctor. Say, heart attack. Just a few more minutes. Then what about this experience of being born again? What about knowing Jesus? Oh, you say, well, I know the, the mayor of the city. I'm well acquainted with the pastor. That ain't what I'm talking about. What about being born again and knowing Jesus? Don't guess at it. Just don't imagine you are, but you must be born I don't mean a fanatical, emotional, mental workup. I mean a real experience. I, I can only speak as a voice. I'm only a man. That's true. And you have a right to doubt me if you wish to. I'm only bringing you the unadulterated word of God and telling you the truth. Then it's up to you to what you do with it. If you believe the message I've told you today, we're at the end time, and man without God will be cut off without any remedy at all, and that may be in the next hour for you. And then you mean to tell me that you won't raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me. God bless you, lady. You bring your little baby for prayer. Yeah, God bless you. May it grant it to you. Someone else? I just think it over. Just think. What if this is your last day? It may not be. I hope it's not. I hope you live to see Jesus come. I hope that's many, many years from now. But I don't know. There's one thing I do know you're going, and you know you're going. If you're not positive that you're right, will you just raise your hand to God? All right. God bless you, and God bless you, sister. Two more people raise their hands. There is a fountain filled with blood drawing from Emmanuel's name. 
good, guilty stain, every bit of it, all gone. Do you believe that you'll lose it right now? If you believe it with all your heart and all your guilty stains will be all out, turned, wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me hold again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Every man that ever mattered anything, believe that. Just just think of what Christ means to man. What did Christ mean if we could call the prophets together? What did it mean to them? What they had answered? What would it mean to the Roman centurion who put his hand over his heart and said, Truly, that's the Son of God? What would it mean to Judas Iscariot? What would it mean to Caiaphasus? What would it mean today to the poets of the world? What would you think it would be when this guy that wrote these old vulgar songs that the little ladies and little boys and girls of our school are singing these dirty old popular songs today, sending their little souls into mires of hell? What do you think it would mean to them if Jesus comes? What do you think all these your vulgar, dirty pictures and things? What do you think it would mean today if they come? What did Christ mean to Eddie Pruitt when he was persecuted for righteousness' sake? When one day the, they wouldn't receive his letters, they wouldn't receive his poetry, they wouldn't receive him, they wouldn't even take his songs. And one day saying that he was crying, and he picked up the pen, the Holy Ghost took a hold of him. He wrote, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He wrote the inauguration song of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. We could ask him, What does it mean? We could mean also, What did he say? Oh, oh, Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other grounds is sinking sands. All other grounds is sinking sands. What can I say to, today to old Brownie Fanny Crosby? What would he mean to you, Brownie Fanny Crosby? you never seen daylight in your life. What does he mean to you? She said, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. All others are calling. Do not pass me by. Thou the stream of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? I wrote, Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. Someday he's coming, O glorious day. Can you join your heart those melodies of God? May God bless you. Now, I appreciate your fine attendance and all you've done. Is there anybody here sick wants to be remembered in prayer? Now, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody sick? Lady, one, all right, sir. That's very fine. Praise the Lord for you. Now, the very same gospel that I preach to you here of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ will take every sin from you, will take every sickness from you. He was wounded for our transgressions. That's the reason I preach the things I do. By his Christ we were healed. Jesus said in the Bible, listen, what Jesus said in St. John 3, As Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What did Moses lift up the brass serpent for? Because the people were chatting and backslidden again, talking about God's servants and God, and they were bitten by snakes and were sick and dying, and it was lifted up for the forgiveness of their sins and for the healing of their bodies. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the bright serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The same reason. And today he's wounded for our transgression with his stripes. You were already past tense healed. Can you believe it? Can you accept it? Your cancer will leave you. Your tumor will go away. Your blindness will go from your eyes. Death is from your ears. No matter what it is, he'll do it if you will believe. you believe it? Where's the pastor at? Come here, pastor. 
I want you to stand with me in prayer. How many ministers are in here believe in prayer for the sick? Let's see your hands. Well, God bless you. I didn't notice so many preachers here. That's very fine. I thought you was a fine-looking crowd. But, now that, that's very fine. God bless you. I wonder if you would join with me today in a word of prayer for these people that's sick and afflicted. You who are sick, again, raise up your hands so the pastors can see where you're sitting. You see where you are, pastors? The one standing near you, let's get up out of our seat, pastor, and stand around and face the crowd. That's right. That's fine. Stand right around and face your crowd. Let's join in prayer. Pastor, you come here with us. Listen. If you're here today and you've made a decision for Jesus Christ, if you claimed you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, look at these pastors. They're here today because they believe in this gospel that we're preaching. They're here because that they love the Lord Jesus. They're here because they believe in this gospel. And if you want to get close to God, if you want to baptize the Holy Ghost, somebody who will stay with you and pray with you until you come to go to their church. You know who they are. These pastors sure that's standing. They're God-fearing men. They're from here somewhere around here in our neighborhood. And you know them. And they're all God's children. Now you go to the closest or your choice of these churches and get right with God. Do that. And these men, each one of them believes in divine healing or they wouldn't be standing to their feet. They're not ashamed of it. They're standing here today to take their stand to say, I'm a man who believes in divine healing. I pray for the sick, these men of God. Now I appreciate them and love them with all my heart. And I pray that God will bless your ministries, my brother. May they increase a double to what they are now. And may you win many souls to Christ and great healing signs and wonders take place in your little churches around here as you're preaching and standing for this full gospel message. Now, while we all bow our heads in prayer, may the Lord God send his blessings to each one of you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for those who raised their hands a while ago saying they desired to be born again. They wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and be sealed into the kingdom of God. Now, right here in the neighborhood and right around the places here where these people come from, here are pastors, your shepherds, Lord, who's feeding your flock, and they're standing here not ashamed, but standing boldly in the presence of God to let the people know that they believe in this marvelous old gospel. They believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They believe in the second coming of Christ. They believe that they're at the end time. And they're trying their best, Lord, in little corners of the world to win people to you. Oh, eternal God, bless their ministry abundantly. I pray that you'll anoint them with preaching power, with healing power, and the virtues of God until their little churches will cry out. Great signs and wonders will take place. And may there come an old-fashioned revival out of Sturgisure that will sweep the whole state. Grant it, Lord. Give them an old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost. May it start from this very little gathering together. Father, those who raise their hands, may, this, may the sun not shine in the morning until they have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at one of these little church services tonight. Grant it, Heavenly Father. Now those who are sick and afflicted, God, I pray that you'll be merciful to them. We've introduced to them the blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and praying that you'll grant their faith now will reach up even before they leave this building and will be made well, every one of them, of the diseases they have. Oh, Lord, some eight, ten people raise their hands or more that they want to be remembered in this prayer for the sick. And I ask thee with all my heart as your servant stands here facing this audience and this people in the presence of God that the Holy Ghost will come down like a rushing wind and will anoint this little group of people, Father, and the powers that raise Jesus from the grave will quickly snatch away the darkness from around them as they will rise to their feet and be made well. 
grant it, Lord, as man of renown stands praying as we offer this prayer to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. With your heads bowed, your hearts bowed, your humble hearts awaiting on God, I want you to sing this song with me as real slowly now and think of it as we learn. I can, I will, I do believe, I can, I will, I do believe, I can, I will, I do believe that Jesus heals me now, I can, I will, I do I can, I will, I do believe. I can, I will, I do believe that Jesus heals me now. Do you believe it? If you believe it, rise up to your feet as a testimony saying, I now take Jesus Christ as my healer, and from this very hour on I'll trust him the rest of my days, giving him praise. If you do it while we sing this song again, stand to your feet. I can, I will, I do believe, I can, I will, I do believe, I can.
Let's say praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. That sounds more like a meeting. Amen. Oh, my. I know. You say, like the minister was one morning, he said, Why did you hire us to write in your sermon? said, Honey, well, I didn't have in lightning, I made up in thunder. But you have to have lightning to make the thunder. Amen. Isn't he wonderful? The Lord bless you. Oh, love you. Love the Lord with all your heart. Raise your hand. Love the Lord with all my heart. Faith in the Father. Faith in the Son. Faith in the Holy Ghost. Three in the one. Demons will tremble and sinners awake. Faith in Jehovah will anything shake. Is that right? If you got faith. Have faith in God, Jesus said when he was here on earth. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. March forward in the victory. All right, I appreciate being gathered here with you. All your nice things, and God bless you, and God bless our little pastor. Now while we bow our heads all over the audience, we're going to pray again. As you bow your heads, I give the service now to the pastor, Brother Jackson. All right, with heads, praise the Lord.